You're listening to the North Peace Roundtable Podcast, your weekly podcast about theology and the Christian life. That was much better. First try. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for tuning in. This is episode 73. Three? Three? Maybe? Four? Oh, man. Oh. Never hit record until you're ready to actually talk about <laughs> things. But thanks for tuning in. Uh, my name is Andrew, and with me as always is Corlin. Hello, hello. And Cameron. Good morning, everyone. And uh, yeah, if you're new to the podcast, like the intro says, uh, we record roughly about once a week and talk about uh, different things related to Christianity, the Bible, theology. We try and answer questions that people might have. And so first off, before we actually get to the actual questions, we have a very serious ethical question. How much is a cat's life worth? Two bucks. Oh, man. <laughs> That's a serious question, though. Cam texted that to us last night that your cat might be dying. Something's, something, something's so pray wrong. Pray for sprinkles, everyone. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Well, you can, I guess, if you want. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's an interesting uh, moral dilemma because, well, maybe not for some, and this could, this could you know, have some viewers running for the hills, but uh, listeners, pardon me. Yeah, so like we, if we have a cat, and you know we've invested in it, like we've got all the shots up to date, everything. Uh, you know, Bonnie Henry would be proud. Uh, the cat's are good to go, but it's it was missing for a night, and it comes home pretty, uh, pretty unwell. Um, Does he have like a vaccine tag, like a passport that he wears? It's a, it's a tattoo on his ear. <laughs> it's even more like the mark yeah, of the beast. It's coming, folks. They missed the forehead. Yeah. There's actually a, and there's a chip under his skin. Oh man, that's yeah, great. great. That's how they introduce it to the population. Anyway, pretty decent question. Like, so you have a few hundred bucks into this cat. It's been a part of your family for a year. Like, what would be the litmus? Because I, t- I told Tanya, like, okay, we'll go to the vet. Like, I've touched him everywhere. He's not hurting or in pain. That's a blood test. That that's a couple hundred bucks. That's a few days. And so, like, what is it? Five hundred, seven hundred fifty dollars, a thousand. Like, at what point is like okay? You're like, okay, we've. We've reached the threshold of how much yeah. this cat is worth. We've how much just, is a new cat? We've just bought two new cats. <laughs> how much is a new cat? That's the limit. So uh, this is a totally off topic, but Molly's dad, they had a, a, a family dog, which is a little bit different because I think dogs are worth more than cats. I agree. But uh, <laughs> uh, they took like really sick and took him to the vet and apparently the dog had cancer and uh, the vet was like, okay, so... Um, when would you like to start chemotherapy for the dog? And Molly's dad, his response was, I don't even know if I would get chemo if I had cancer. Give me the dog. We're not doing chemo on a dog. And then they killed him. So <laughs> anyways, what a light way to start the podcast. Yeah, the well, the podcast. The podcast, yeah. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's related. So we have oh a... Uh, a serious question. So a legitimately serious. We wanted to start it a little bit light because we do have a, a technically a very serious question, and then maybe a more not so serious question. Um, so, and then I have a great clip to end it on a really light note too. So, um, the first question that someone asked was, and I've heard this actually, I've I've had this asked to me several times: is um, does if someone commits suicide, do they like immediately go to hell? Like even if they're a Christian. Yeah. Right, so I've I've heard it taught. I've heard people who have talked to me and said, "Yeah, growing up, I was told, yeah, if a Christian commits suicide, it's like straight to hell. Sorry, straight to hell. You don't get to go to heaven if you commit suicide." Yeah. So what was their what was their reasoning in saying that? Like, what was the was there ever an explanation, or was that one of those? Kinda... I've I've never heard a yeah. a biblical explanation for 
this is why because you know john 7 says i've never heard that it's more uh, my my take is that it was more used as like a scare tactic for people struggling with mental health or suicidal thoughts and it was just like well if you do it and this is such a touchy topic i want to be like gracious but it was more like well if you do it so don't do it because you'll go right to hell right i think that from my understanding it was Mm -hmm. kind of used as a it was like when you're in youth and you when i grew up and the sex talk was basically like you don't got you don't want to get stds right so sex is bad so stay away from it until you're married and i know that's different Mm because we're talking about two different things but sometimes i think christians use scare tactics to try and make sure people don't do bad things yeah fire and brimstone will keep a lot of kids away from a lot of things sure so what do we think is that true how do you uh, one we should answer just straight up the question is that true and then secondly i think it would be good because like cam before we hit record was saying that he worked for a suicide hotline for a while and i think more so we should ask how do you maybe help someone who has some dark thoughts or and we can even give some resources to people if they're listening going yeah, like oh that's, that's a good idea yeah i don't want to just be like there we go question answered like yeah. we're done because someone listening might actually struggle with stuff so is that true if a christian commits suicide is it like a one-way ticket to hell don't pass go don't collect 200 dollars. you just go straight there well again like you said it's a touchy subject so every I would say, from what I can see in Scripture, the only unforgivable sin is the sin of not believing who Jesus is, who God is. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, which which puts it in an interesting category of being like, well, it's a forgivable thing, and I I would never say that as like grounds for a reason to go through with it because. Yep. I I think that it is one of those things where even though. My understanding is that if someone was to commit suicide and they are a Christian, that it is not a one-way ticket to hell, that it would that God is still able to forgive them in that, right? We would believe that Jesus has forgiven all of our sins, past, present, and future. But we also believe that because of that, that we should try to live without sin, right? We should try to yep. live in a righteous way. Um, so I guess it's naive, but we're establishing that that would be considered a sin. I I would say so, yeah. Um and and again, it's a touchy subject, so I I want to be gentle with how I would present that. The reason that I would say that it's a sin is because the the taking of human life outside of God's design, which would be not taking human life hmm. of any type, is is not good in His eyes, right? Um, so it, it's yeah, it's a really touchy thing. So I want to be. I want to be really gentle with how I present that, but it's not, I, I don't see anywhere in scripture where it would be a part of God's design that if someone wasn't happy here, that they could just uh, decide to not be a part of it anymore so that they could get away from that, if that makes sense. It does for the scenarios that would not involve a mental health crisis mm-hmm. because then we'd have to establish that someone dealing with intense mental health is making conscious decisions. So how it was presented in, you know, the, you know, the world of psychology leading into this experience I had answering calls for people who were contemplating suicide is that, um, when a person arrived at that position, like, and, and 
there's a few different pools, but the pools of folks dealing with pretty intense mental health disorder or, or crisis was that they did not make a decision to kill themselves. They actually arrived at the end of this path and it was almost like the decision had been made. Like there was, there's nothing. <clears throat> so it's, we often <clears throat> are in the mindset that a person's arriving at that decision thinking like I can choose in one hand to have a, a good life or I can choose in the other hand to kill myself. Well, there's not a lot of people that arrive at that choice. It's right. often at the end of this really dark place mm -hmm. where it's like I've arrived and the only option is that I don't, I shouldn't exist, yeah. which seems bizarre to think about, but we have to like remove ourselves from thinking like they chose that. And I won't say that some people don't like, you know, yeah. the whole Shakespeare kind of like, you know, romance and, you know, I'm just going to end it because there's, what's the point where yep. they could even assume there was a point, but some of the folks that and narratives that we went through, like even in Fort St. John walking into and, and finding a person who had done that a couple of times, it was like so dark and so lonely and so yeah. painful that this person arrived at this position that they shouldn't exist. And so, um, underlying that with, you know, the sin topic is really quite interesting too, because then it's okay. Well, if they were, well, then you have to separate earlier. Were they, you know, were they a Christian? Like we don't, we don't know that either because we, sure. we spoke about, I think just last week, how, mm. you know, the parameters of what is sin is different for those who call on the name of Jesus and have accepted that grace and those who haven't. Yeah. Um, the other thing I was thinking about last night is like, there are people who die tragically in car accidents and, you know, sometimes speed is involved and we wouldn't look at that one. Well, they were living in sin when they died, they're automatically uh, in hell. Like that doesn't even make sense. Well, it wasn't intentional. They weren't intentionally trying to kill themselves by speeding. It's like, okay, I would argue that some people in mental health crisis are not intentionally trying to kill themselves. They just have arrived at a place where there is no options. There's no fork in the road. There's no, um, hmm. there's no choice as wild as that could seem. And I couldn't imagine that level of desperation, that level of mm -hmm. like loneliness. Um, but I could rationalize in my mind how a person, sinful and broken, and even hearing some of the narratives of people who commit suicide, um, especially in our northern remote communities, so many indigenous communities where like these young people, mm. there's just no hope. And we naively and sometimes ignorantly say there's always hope. No, in some of these lives and some of these narratives, like yeah. I don't know how this yep. 18 year old's going to get out of this mess. Like they're four generations ahead of them. Yeah. Not even two, four generations. Cause they had like such early pregnancies of, of just desperation. Yeah. Um, so I, I think we're just careful and we're very sensitive in these conversations. Absolutely. Because, um, yeah. They just no, change. I, uh, the more I've done pastoral ministry and doing a little bit of like pastoral counseling, not like I'm, I don't, I don't have a counseling degree, but people come and they mm -hmm. want to talk about stuff. Like I'm someone who, by God's grace, I've never struggled with depression or anxiety or bipolar. Or, you know, I I tell people like I've most of my days are like pretty great, <laughs> right? And like thank you, Lord. And so I know early on, like when I was doing youth ministry and stuff, I, I it just didn't like compute in my mind like the idea of depression and just and and I just kind of viewed it as well like well stop being sad like I don't understand mm -hmm. right but as I've grown and like you know worked with people it's 
I've had to like remind myself that it's not just to like, well, just pull yourself up and be happy. I don't understand why you can't. It's like, mm-hmm. and like you said, like people getting into a road where uh, you have you have to be able to empathize with people because it's not you can't. It doesn't help to just be like, well, just trust in Jesus and you'll be happy. Well, yeah. like, what if they're yeah. not happy? Because it's like a clinical thing, right? Um. Anyways, I just all that being said, for me, when I hear that question. I have to remind myself, why do people go to heaven or hell? And I think sometimes we think uh, subconsciously or because we were raised this way, good people go to heaven and bad people who sin go to hell. And I'm like, okay, I get I get what you're saying, but that's wrong because it you being welcomed into the kingdom of heaven has nothing to do with how good you can be. Your position where you go for the afterlife depends solely on your answer to who is Jesus. Do you believe in him or do you reject him? So someone Hmm. doesn't go to hell because they did X, Y, Z. Someone goes to hell because they chose not to believe in Jesus. So the question already, you know, if someone commits, if a Christian commits suicide, do they go to hell? It's the wrong way to word that question because it's like saying like, so if I go to church, do I go to heaven? It's like, no. Yeah. you go yeah. to heaven because you've trusted in Jesus. <clears throat> and so I've used this scenario when people have asked this question before, and it's a fake scenario, obviously. But I'm like, let's say, you know, as a Christian, I, uh, for whatever reason, gave into temptation and committed adultery. And then right after that, I get hit by a bus. I'm like, would I go to heaven or hell? And people struggle. Uh, well, you just committed sin. So, yeah, okay. I, I granted but I sin all the time. Yeah. Uh, and so we can't play that kind of game like where it's like, well, you sinned. Okay, did you ask for forgiveness for that specific sin? Okay, if you did, then okay, whew, you're good. You're still going to heaven. It's like yeah. now again, then we're basing our salvation on what we do or don't do. I yeah. joke at home like that with the wife and kids when it's like someone starts eating. It's like, wait, we didn't say grace. I'm like, wow, you're lucky the rapture didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have been toast eternity without you. Until and, and so we don't use that as an excuse. There's this fine line where we don't go like, well, I trust in Jesus, so my sin doesn't matter. No, no, like yeah. you said, Corlin, we are all striving to live holy because we want to be like Jesus. Yeah. But that doesn't, that doesn't secure my salvation, right? So I think even the question is misguided. Like, right. if you're a Christian and you do this, do you go to hell? Hmm. It's like... Well, the question's wrong already. Yeah. Like now, if I was a Christian and I willingly and, you know, I'm going to live my life in willing, disobedient sin, then I would ask, well, are you actually a Christian then? Damn. There's a difference between someone who's like, man, I sinned today. Jesus, please forgive me. Then someone that's, that's like, I don't care. That yeah. and someone who is a Christian generally is only so because of a an eternal hope that they feel there's something there's this otherness that they're aware of. And so outside of mental health crisis or, um, you know, a a terrible, terrible lapse of judgment in the moment, they're not in that same trajectory of someone. So without hope in such deep desperation outside of mental health crisis that, that I've seen or that I could even imagine just because, I've I know a few people and a few people in my family who've dealt with depression and even you know I've never um, 
I've never been diagnosed, but in my addiction, like in, in drug addiction, mm-hmm. like I felt at times, of course, under the influence of drugs at the time that I've ruined everything. Like, right. And I would almost, you know, there was, I think the deepest, darkest time when I did reach out for help by the grace of God, it was that kind of fork in the road, like, man, the shame that I have to go through by like, by saying all this. And, and I was young, I was like 19, didn't have anyone like, you know, it's, I honestly felt more dispensable, but mm. again, that was clouded by not right thinking either, right. Uh, which is um, which is a factor in many of, this, of these situations yeah. where drugs or alcohol um, are involved, um, because thinking is not right either. So I think that you know, in our family, and again, we I've had um, my cousin's uh, daughter commit suicide um in our own friend circle a girl that lived with us her sister committed suicide and these are people that didn't reach out actually they didn't talk to anyone about that they dealt with this alone and my our friend danielle like she really struggled for a lot of years because like where did i go around talking to my sister Mm. you know just one day just did that um so it's just so complex and i think that the advice could be like one judging is not any good position to stand or to sit in front of but also um just appreciating the complexities of what people are dealing with and if we can approach all of these scenarios with empathy and i mean even talking about that if you have people in your life who who have experienced someone having committed suicide like probably not a good conversation to start with or even to to, yeah to navigate yeah um because they're just so different and and i I wouldn't say, you know, yeah, I'm not sitting here saying like, yeah, I get it to why people do that. No, I don't. Like, it's still confusing. It's still really hard. Yeah. But, um, but something drove that person to the point of, of feeling like not to love, that, that there was no mm-hmm. hope. So I, our response could be trying just to, to be hope, like trying to be welcoming to even those who are tough to be around or who you think might be struggling or, or those who are more quiet and, I think as Christians, that is what we're able to do, um, yeah. just to try to be light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any other thoughts, Corland? I I think, and uh, let's see if I can connect these words. Just like the other day when I was struggling. So earlier, when I had mentioned that suicide, I, like establishing the baseline of suicide being a sin, and then we had the conversation around. Mm-hmm. Uh, in mental health having no choice or it seeming like that. Um, I think it's important to define what sin is in general, because I think that Christians often look at it as like a, a moral list of rights and wrongs, right? Like it's like, if you do this, is that wrong? If you do this, is that wrong? How far can you do this before it's wrong? Right. Right. I think uh, like a biblical image of sin is, and this doesn't, some people might think that this makes it feel lighter than it is. And I don't think so, but it, it's this idea of missing the mark. It's the idea of missing the, 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 the Hebrew word that's used is used in the same context when the he, when the Israelites could use a slingshot and like throw the rock towards an object and not miss. Right. Um, and so it's an interesting concept then if we look at God's design for for life and humanity in the world 
um, anything outside of that design that misses that mark within the language context could be considered a, a sin, a, a miss on that. Um, and so I think that it's one of those things where within this world that we live that is occupied by sin and occupied by evil, that there will be moments where it seems as though there is no other choice. And and like you said, people will get to that point where they don't see any other place to go, right? There's no hope for them is what they will, will feel and see. Um, but like you said, as followers of Christ, I think it's important that we remember that there is always hope. We believe in a God who saves. We believe in a very, in, in an all powerful, all knowing, all loving God. Um, and so, to to be the light, to be the salt of the earth, to to try and be the hope for those people, so that in those moments they they might see something they wouldn't have before yeah. is is really important, I think. Yeah, and just so uh, so nobody like misunderstands us. I don't think any of us is saying like, oh yeah, I get it. Like I get why that person killed himself. That's fine. I don't <laughs> think any of us have said that, but we're saying it's complex. We understand that people get to a certain point where they have thoughts like that, but none of us would say like, yeah, they made a, an okay choice in that moment. Like mm-hmm. I don't think so. That we're saying like suicide's fine when you. Ha- no, of course not. But we're just saying that. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more complex than just like, just don't do it. Well, if you've never struggled with really, 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 really dark thoughts, it's easy to say that. Yeah. Well, just don't Mm -hmm. do it. And so trying to understand the complexities of mental health and addiction or whatever it is. It actually really reminds me, you saying that of, of even with my struggle with pornography of people just being like, well, just stop. Yeah. Yeah. And and I believe me, I tried and it didn't work. Right. And so Mm -hmm. there needed to be true hope not just this idea of like hey don't right like there needed to be actual reason and substance behind that don't for me to even be to consider not right yeah yeah there's a really interesting um activity like i had to do in some training before working at the crisis line where they actually teach on the history of suicide which is a really interesting and throughout world history and how um and it reminded me of a conversation I, I actually had in seminary where someone said, "Did you is Judas in heaven? Which is a really interesting, yeah. just around the suicide conversation. But huh. they go through like world leaders all the way to uh, ship captains who have, um, who essentially have committed suicide. Go down on, with their ship, basically. Yeah. The idea or fall on your sword at the end of a battle yeah. because yeah, so yeah, many yeah. people have, have perished at your hand. And so it just walked through all of these different scenarios and honor uh, through world history. Honor and shame were kind of like yes. the leading contributing factors to hmm. to a person. So they knew tomorrow would be fine for them, but because of what they did to a greater amount, they knew that they didn't deserve tomorrow, which is really kind of an interesting philosophy. A podcast maybe for, uh, another, for another channel. Uh, channel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, hopefully that helps answer somewhat the question, but I think like I said, I think it's a wrong it's a wrong way to word that question because we could word that for any you know any sin. sin. Any, yeah. We could just go like, "Oh, if a Christian does this, do they go to hell? If a Christian does this, do they go to hell?" And I think it's just a in that sense then we're like categorizing certain 
sins and we do that all the time which which is interesting because that goes into even the the idea of um the parable that we just talked about yesterday or the day before or whatever it was of like us as christians are horrible judges as to who makes mm-hmm. it into the kingdom or not yeah right that's why it's not our responsibility exactly exactly <laughs> yeah. So yeah, then, like, yeah. to look at an issue like this like there are things that we can see in this world as followers of Christ that are just blatantly wrong and they're, they're horrible. They're horrendous, right? Like that's, it's obvious. Um, there are great injustices that we can see in this world. And it's not like we would look at them as followers of Christ and be like, well, I don't know if that's wrong or not. No, there are things that we know, but Mm -hmm. as, as we've already said, and maybe I'm just beating a dead horse at this point is it's complex. As soon as you're dealing with people, it's complex. Yes. All right, I think we got time to answer another question, and I'm picking a different one that Corlin sent us like 45 questions last night. You guys are always asking he for questions. He was in a good mood. He was saving them the up. Questions were flying. Um, but this one, I thought, this one's kind of a little bit... Oh, we could answer the, the David Barceau question real mm-hmm. quick, because we kind of looked into that a little bit. Somebody who listens to the podcast reached out and wanted to, to know about David Barceau. Uh, Andrew and I took a, a look into him, and from what we can see, he... He's an Anabaptist, and he there's a lot of uh, interesting opinions about him online, most of which are negative. Um, yep. So it's, yeah, some of his beliefs are a little bit, uh, they wouldn't necessarily line up with what we as a church would represent or want to, to teach. But yep. um, yeah, that's kind of our, our answer is to, to use discernment and caution with that and, and probably don't. There you go. And if you don't know who David Burpso Burpso, Burpso. Burpso is, uh, don't worry about it. Yeah. All right. Here's the second question. What do we make of church leaders who people idolize that have influenced how people think or speak of Christianity? Christian influencers. Well, yeah. Or like, yeah, it's the idea of like celebrity Christianity. What do we, what do, we do with that? Church leaders who we kind of idolize or we kind of put on a pedestal or... And I know it's awkward because I'm here. And <laughs> I was actually just thinking of, thinking of your joke to Molly and uh, seeing someone in the store and then yes. telling her, I just want to be normal. I do that every time. Anyone, anytime, uh, and my wife hates it. Anytime we go out and like someone from the church says like, oh, hey, oh, hey, Pastor Andrew. But more so, it's because of like this crazy covid world and now we've youtube stuff and our and i have no idea people that watch so it's more so when people in like save on are like hey you know it's so weird seeing you on not on a tv i watch you on youtube and i'm like oh cool and i introduce myself and then every time after i just turn them all i'm like oh i just want to live a normal life (laughs) (laughs) obviously joking because that's so stupid um but it's a good question because you look at stephen furtick you look at well yeah any of these uh uh, John MacArthur, Stephen Furtick. You look at any yeah. of these like celebrity pastors, even yeah. the good ones, even like, the yep. good ones. Yep. And Absolutely. we, as Christians, idolize them. idolize them. And yep. and yeah, we have our favorites, and we go rah rah for this guy and this guy's. But and it, you know, it makes me laugh. I'm going to read First Corinthians because this this exact same problem was happening. Oh boy, you're going to answer it real quick. Two thousand years ago, the exact same problem. Um, I'll just read starting in chapter three. I could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you're not ready, for you're still of the flesh. So basically Paul's saying, you guys are babies. And then he says, for 
while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, this is my, uh, <laughs> and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. And then he goes on, he's talking to... You know, it's people are saying, well, I follow Peter and I follow Apollos and I follow Paul and blah, blah, blah. Exactly the same. Mm-hmm. I love John MacArthur. I love Stephen Furtick. I think whoever yeah. is the best. And Paul's like, you guys are acting like babies. Yeah, <laughs> so what we're not saying is that to, to find someone who <laughs> preaches the word of God accurately and well, that is not a bad thing to appreciate that or to, to even... I would say follow them in the sense of like the body of Christ that is here in the MB is is under your leadership, right? Under your spiritual guidance. And so oh we've, we've chosen to, to accept that. But at the same time, if you weren't, well, you, we know you're not perfect, but if you were to show your ugly head in like a really bad way, we'd call you out on that, right? <laughs> Um, yeah, it's when it's when people have a really, really unhealthy obsession and like would I think it there's a an interesting gray area where suddenly you start to turn into someone who's obsessive over them. Fangirls. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so but I've had someone tell me this. Someone came and had a uh, uh, an issue with uh, a sermon. Some I can't even remember what it was, but they disagreed with some thing I said in a sermon. And their first thing that they said to me was that they were very scared to come and criticize me because I can't even remember where in the Old Testament. Some verse in the Old Testament says, touch not the Lord's anointed. Oh, my. And so, you know what? Let's, yeah, we like roll our Don't eyes at it. Don't run a sword through them. Yeah, so like we, we roll our eyes, but that was this yeah. guy's yeah. real conviction. Andrew mm. is somehow more anointed than other people because he preaches. And so I'm not allowed to like... Criticize, and the the issue is, is that you have really sleazy pastors like Benny Hinn and others who actually quote that and sure. say like, "You can't touch me because I'm the yeah. Lord's anointed." So then there's this thinking that like pastors and preachers and they're some they're somehow like better than us because they're like super anointed, and then we can't criticize them because yeah. they hear directly from God or whatever it is, right? And and then you'll have a guy like Stephen Furtick that gets up and he says, the Lord spoke to me and told me this is what I need to tell you. And everyone goes, he has a direct line to God? Oh my goodness. Like, right. He yeah. can, he's so holy and he glows in the dark and blah, blah, blah. And it's... I, yeah, I think it's even, um, like you said, those who become like overly obsessed. But I even am curious about those who sit in our community and like watch all these online preachers all week. It's yeah. like, yeah. what's wrong with... Mm-hmm you know, the, the churches in your community, like they're not flashy enough. They don't appeal to those other senses because sure. the gospel is likely being preached in each community, unless you're in a remote community where there's no, um, yeah. there's no sound uh, theological teaching that you're, that's available to you. Yeah. But I don't know why you just get your ears tickled all week watching all these shows and maybe don't even go to a local church. Like that's even more interesting. Yeah, yeah I do. I know uh, a family that they don't live here anymore. This was a few years ago. Um, they they did this is even before COVID when everything was online. They uh, I spoke with them and they stayed at home, and they were they were members of a church in the Lower Mainland because there was no good churches up here, and it was in my opinion 
a celebrity, that guy is just like an, an unbelievable preacher. There's no one like him up in Fort St. John. I'm like, okay, fair enough, whatever. But then the idea was like, we just, there's no good churches up here, which I'm like, wrong. There's lots of good churches up here. Mm. Like, but it's that idea of like, we follow so-and-so, we follow so-and-so. Yeah. And then here, there's a whole nother element of that is that then a lot of times preachers and, you know, I, I joke about like, I just want to live a normal life. But there's guys who actually believe that, who believe their own hype. And then they think, yeah. I'm untouchable. I am special. And it's and then what we're seeing is uh, a lot these days is that pastor after pastor after pastor thinks that they can do whatever they want. And then they have moral failure and then they're fired. And then the churches go, oh, no, he wasn't this like untouchable. Yeah. What? Mm-hmm. And then is Christianity even true? And then they have this crisis it's, of faith. It's actually and- quite funny to me that as Christians, we're fickle enough to like look after, look to a leader and be like, they're like idolize them and they're perfect and they have a halo and like amazing. This is crazy. And then when they sin, we're surprised. Yeah. It's like, do you have any idea how human everyone on this world is? Yeah. Like we should never be surprised by someone's sin. Yeah. So I would encourage you, like it's, it's fine to enjoy really good preachers. Like I have a few that I uh, listen to their podcast, their sermons each week and I just really respect them and they do a great job of like, dissecting the word and they're faithful to the word and it's great but yeah to just be aware that exactly they're they're not more anointed than you are they have the same holy spirit you do they just have different gifts than you do and And maybe different schooling sure and then it's like well yeah coming from the guy that has no schooling (laughs) that's why i said it oh i got him (laughs) um and and then um yeah, no, oh, that was such a good singer. Uh, <laughs> so then, yeah, to, to not go like, well, they're just extra anointed. No, if you're a follower of Jesus, we all have the Holy Spirit. We're just gifted differently. And then to not place all of your, I don't know, like, uh, I'm trying to think. Because then when that person sins, you don't have to lose your faith because you're a follower of Jesus, not a follower of Corlin or Andrew or can't like, right? Yeah. And so it's fine to love different preachers and listen to podcasts. That's great. But when it becomes like this obsession, and then I think it's clear when it's obsession, when you're like, no one is as good a preacher as this guy. And then it's like kind of idolizing that person. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's why I have guys like you to keep me grounded. Because you're like, you're a (laughs) jerk, Andrew. (laughs) You're not special. (laughs) Don't believe your own hype. Um, any last thoughts about that? I like it. Nope. I love, I actually love that Paul was dealing with the exact yep. same thing. I'm like, <laughs> human beings are exactly the same. Like in the early church, they're all fangirling over, oh, Apollos, he's so great, and Paul and Peter. And I love, Paul's like, you guys are babies. Stop yep. doing this. Yep. <laughs> so great. All right. Um, we're going to ha- play a little round of... So we want to play to close our time uh, a round of. Oh, not sounded like you said we wanted to pray to close our time. We just want to pray, Lord. We just ask for. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Not that praying would be a bad thing. (laughs) Stop! I'm distracted. I'm trying to find this video. Um, We are going to play a little video here from our buddy Brian Simmons. Oh boy! So if you don't know, he uh, is the author of the Passion Translation, and uh, he. 
the Passion Translation, uh, Brian Simmons went to heaven, if you didn't know, and was given and or Jesus came to his room. Yeah, so he, it? he so well, Brian he's been Simmons to heaven too. Brian Simmons claims I, I haven't heard the that he's been to heaven yet, but he <laughs> yet. claims that uh Jesus came to him and like touched, and his, touched forehead. his forehead and promised him like super top secret special divine information about the ancient Aramaic uh, Old Testament texts which don't exist because it was Hebrew. And anyways <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so here's a, a short little clip what of him. What a mistake Jesus made. Uh, Aramaic. Did I say Aramaic? Oh, man, I meant Hebrew. So here he is. I was there, man. I promise. And, it was uh, a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. Watch this now because you say, I know what happens. They all got the Holy Spirit and they spoke in tongues. No, no, no. You're jumping ahead of the story. The building matters. The volume of the building's square footage determines the anointing that can be held. Because here's what it said. There came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and filled the house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them cloven tongues like fire and sat upon each of them. Ladies and gentlemen, the first thing that was baptized in the Holy Ghost was the building, the room. So if you want a lot of anointing and an increase for the city... Then put us somewhere with a higher ceiling and bigger walls because God's Holy Spirit wants to fill a bigger room. Nope. 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 Oh. <laughs> they, I, didn't, I didn't realize that. They added a clip from the office at the end. Nope. 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 <laughs> so, uh, yep. Nope. 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 He, he says that, in, that so he was talking about Acts 2 when the Holy Spirit comes, that the first thing that was anointed was the building. That's right. And the, the square footage of your building is directly related to, to the, the amount of anointing you have. <laughs> Some super secret divine information you got there, bud. Man, I wish I had known that when we <laughs> built this building. Well, it's pretty big. I mean, it's bigger than some churches that use say, a tr- passion. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> if you go to a church or if you see a church and someone's holding up, like, that's not a Bible. It's not a Bible. And if, if they represent it as a Bible, that's heresy and it's sin. <laughs> Just a little, like, a little but friendly disclaimer. It, like, I'm not is, trying to be facetious. No, but it is it's, true because, and, and even... Um, it was either Bible Gateway or the U version that actually removed the passion. The passion, because they, as they studied it, they went, "This is not a Bible. Right. This is one man's attempt." And I would say, and we've talked about this. It's yeah. even different than the message. The message. The message yeah. is still like, ah, don't. Re- I get. Maybe don't use that as your like only but Bible. But even Eugene Peterson didn't say this is a translation given to me by God. He said, this is what I think modern English... I paraphrased the Bible. I paraphrased the Bible. And hopefully it's helpful to you. So, but you have a guy and you just listen to some of uh, of his other teaching and you go... Buy my book. Okay, listen, the square footage of your building has literally nothing, nothing to do with the Holy Spirit's anointing. That That is the dumbest... It's and one it gets of those me fired up. It's so dumb. It's so yeah. dumb to say like build a higher ceiling so more Holy Spirit can get Actually, in. Actually, let's destroy the temple and you guys can all make do without it. Yeah. Like that doesn't even line up with So, like, yes, do not God. read the passion That's translation. That's what happens when you translate Hebrew as Aramaic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You get really messed up theology. So, it's not I'm glad you said that, Cam, because it's so true. It's like it's not a Bible, and it's, it's not. I would actually really encourage you. I don't agree with everything he says, but Mike Winger, 
mm. Bible thinker. That's his his little YouTube channel, YouTube his channel. company. But he does a whole, I think it's like a two-hour video about, let's just compare the Passion Translation passages to legitimate translations, ESV, you know, NIV, whatever. And when you actually see them side by side, you go, oh, good Lord. Yeah. This is so terrible. And he mm. has changed the meaning of the Bible and just yeah. added stuff in and he's erased stuff. And and actually, the, the Passion Translation, in quotes, it's something like 40% longer than any other translation because he just adds stuff in. Yeah. Sure. And the only reason we're calling it a translation is because it's in the title that they call it. It's yeah. not actually a translation. Yeah. So... Yeah, don't read the Passion, and yeah, it's just not good. So anyways, I just thought that, I like scratched my head when I saw that, like, what? The Holy, it's related to the square footage of your building? That's so ridiculous. I bet they took an offering at the end for their building project. Well, yeah, and it's sad because you look, and and the crowd is packed, and they're all going, oh, wow, that's amazing. And it's like, no, you guys are blind, and that's not true. That's just nonsense. So... (sighs) <sighs> yeah, tough. Anyways. Yep, but not. But not. It's a really easy answer. <laughs> so uh, hopefully that's been helpful and entertaining. <laughs> and uh, if you do have other questions, you can always uh, contact us and uh, leave us a five-star review. Smash that like button or wow. all those things that, that was pretty good. people say. Yeah. And the Christian uh, influencer. We, we are. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we're influencing eight people. <laughs> so uh, hopefully that's... Helpful and enjoyable, and we'll talk to you next week.